Welcome to this week's bonus episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. In this episode, Associate Editor Dr. Bertie Gotkins and Dr. Ravi Majetti discuss the series on single-cell genomics and hemimalignancies, leukemia, MPNs. I'm Bertie Gotkins. I'm from the Cambridge Stem Cell Institute and the Department of Hematology at the University of Cambridge. The theme of this review series is to give an update on the impact of single-cell genomics for research in leukemia and myeloid neoplasms. And the reasons for choosing this theme is twofold. It's a very exciting area of technological innovation and impacting many areas of research across the board. But the second specific reason is really that it is now reaching a level of maturity for our understanding of leukemia and myeloid neoplasms that we can begin to think about possible clinical impacts. When thinking about this review series, some of our top goals were to provide the following. Firstly, to cover the main branches of leukemias and myeloid neoplasms, to target a broad audience of relevance to the journal. The second was to then, for each of these specific types of leukemia and myeloid neoplasms to identify the most exciting authors internationally that would be able to provide us with the real kind of state-of-the-art view of that field and also its imminent and maybe also midterm future directions. And then also to pay some attention to other aspects of diversity in authors that we just wanted to take care of to to provide the diversity of researchers that are making contributions in this field. This review series consists of four individual review articles. The first review article is by Drs. Edry Wickremer, Gentles and Majetti, and it covers the following topics. Single-cell genomics in AML, this is acute myeloid leukemia, extending the frontiers of AML research. The second review article is by Drs. Jakubucci, Witkowski and Mulligan, and the topic is single-cell analysis of acute lymphoblastic and lineage-ambiguous leukemia approaches and molecular insight. The third review article is by Drs. Nagler and Wu, and the title is The End of the Beginning, Application of Single-Cell Sequencing to Chronic Lymphocytic Leukemia, and the fourth article is by Dr. Sullivan, Mead, and Psyla, and the title is Single-Cell Methods in Myeloproliferative Neoplasms, old questions and new technologies. The reason for choosing those particular topics and those particular authors has a lot to do with individually these groups of authors were leading the field and are leading the field in those in applying single-cell genomics methods to those particular diseases, AML, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and the myeloid neoplasms. One of the titles, this is the article of, on chronic lymphocytic leukemia, it says the end of the beginning. And this was also one of the themes that I had communicated to the authors, that where are we with this whole single-cell genomics revolution? It's a relatively new field. It kind of started 10 years ago. But this statement of the end of the beginning should sort of indicate that it is now getting ready for impact in the real world in the biomedical translation clinical settings. And that's one of the sort of topics that I asked all of the review authors to cover 
especially in the outlook section in the individual review papers. Single cell genomics research is really an international endeavor. And in its relation to how it touches on research of clinical relevance to the readership of the journal Blood, and there are several major centers around the world that are making major contributions and inroads. One reason why I think it's topical to highlight single-cell genomics to the audience here, which are individuals interested in blood research and hematology in the clinic, is that this new and exciting field in many ways is rooted in long-standing research questions that hematologists would really care about. It's just that for the last 10 years, we have gained access to technologies to, in some sense, reinvestigate old questions, which, as I said, are of real fundamental importance to anyone interested in hematological research. For example, decades ago, a stain of a metaphase chromosome set to check for a translocation of BCR able. It would essentially have been a single cell experiment because the clinical pathologist would have been looking at 100 cells and counting how many of these cells have the translocation. So now we are kind of in a position to apply a new generation of technologies, but the questions are of real relevance to the audience of blood. I'm very excited to have with us today Dr. Majetti, who is the senior author on the review article entitled Single Cell Genomics in AML, Extending the Frontiers of AML Research. Thank you, Dr. Gawkins. I'm Ravi Majetti. I'm a professor of medicine in the Division of Hematology at Stanford University, and I'm also the director of the Institute for Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine. I'm happy to be here and very excited to discuss uh, our paper and perspectives. Dr. Gotkins invited us to participate in this uh, review series because we've been focused on understanding heterogeneity in AML across a number of parameters, both functional and genomic, and have had the opportunity to be one of the early groups focused on some of these aspects. This review series is of interest to the broad research and clinical community in hematology because the technology is advancing rapidly. We don't yet have benchmarks for how to implement this technology. We can learn a lot about the disease processes, both pathogenesis, disease monitoring, response to therapeutics, and potential novel areas, all by getting at the single cell measurements. Uh, It is a very exciting time because the technology is enabling us to look at these parameters in ways that we couldn't before. Single cell methods have a lot of relevance in the clinical hematology. One of the important aspects related to our area of focus, AML, is understanding what are the cells uh, like that are left after therapy, so-called minimal or measurable residual disease. Monitoring them is maybe an important biomarker to understand disease relapse, but also understanding their properties in terms of RNA expression at the single cell level or other features that can only be uh, elucidated with single cell methods may be relevant to thinking about what might they be sensitive to in terms of additional therapies. Uh, When you incorporate bone marrow transplant and trying to understand the single cell measurements, not just of the MRD cells, but also potentially of the immune cells, it opens up a wide range of studies that are very relevant clinically, both for diagnosis, monitoring, and therapeutics.
I think the top takeaways from our article are that there are multiple parameters that can be measured. It can be DNA mutations at the single cell level. It can be RNA measurements at the single cell level. It could be chromatin, mitochondrial mutations, barcoding. All of these methods yield different types of information, and they have different strengths and weaknesses of the current technology. I think our article highlights those strengths and weaknesses, describes some of the potential opportunities that have been revealed by applying these methods both to models of disease and primary patient samples. And I think the future perspectives that we highlight are really exciting. The idea of using these for clinical measurements, opening the door to understanding heterogeneity at the single cell level in ways that haven't been before, uh, understanding how cells uh, that are rare but can be detected using single cell methods can contribute to therapy resistance, uh, and then trying to elucidate the mechanisms that mediate all of those effects. Very exciting time. Thinking about the future and what might be the striking developments, I think one of the technology points that right now is an area of intense focus is being able to make simultaneous single cell mutational calls, so identifying the genes that are mutated in those individual cells, along with other measurements, whether that be RNA in particular, so that transcriptomics can be uh, determined, or other parameters. Getting to the multi-omics state of being able to make all of these measurements on individual cells is really the near-term future. I think the longer-term future will be increasing the throughput. Right now, we can make these measurements on several thousand cells per patient specimen using available technologies and at reasonable cost. Um, but that's not enough, really, to dig into the heterogeneity of the disease, rare cells, as I was describing before. So the throughput will be another major uh, aspect of technology advance in the near term. The development and application of single-cell tools in AML research is really going on in a number of laboratories across the world. There are pioneering investigators at the methods level, at the clinical level, at the biology level, all really taking advantage and using these methods and pushing them forward. It's an exciting time. Uh, it's great to get access to each other's data to both validate our own individual findings and also advance the field just like to leave with the sense of excitement and also that there's a community of investigators really active in this space. So one question I have for you, Dr. Maggetti, is to do with timescales. I think it probably took about 10 years for next generation sequencing from a sort of research method to end up being incorporated in pipelines in the hospital for diagnosing patients. What would be your sort of prediction, how long it'll take? until there's a single-cell genomics method, maybe not rolled out across all hospitals, but becomes the routine in a number of leading hematology, hematology centers. Thanks for that question, uh, Bertie. I do think that thinking about the implementation of technology into practical applications in the clinical space is really important. It can take a lot of time to develop a tool that can be validated and have regulatory approval for making clinical decisions. That being said, I do think that some single cell assays will become valuable from a clinical point of view within the next five years. That's my perspective. I could totally envision a scenario where identifying cells that have therapeutic resistance features in 
particular settings will be an important aspect of clinical decision making. And that may only be possible with single cell methods as opposed to bulk methods. I would fully agree with this and also add that the costs are continuing to go down, which I think will also make a major contribution for this to becoming more feasible. I totally agree. As I alluded to in some of my prior comments, the cost of the technologies can be a limitation in terms of the throughput of the number of cells. And as that cost comes down, uh, not just sequencing costs, raw sequencing costs, but the rest of the process of generating libraries, isolating single cells, data analysis, data storage and analytics, all of it has to come together in order to have practical applications. But I do see that cost coming down and there'll be new technologies working on each of those individual problems that will enable new solutions. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Ravi for joining me for this podcast. And I do want to encourage you to go to the journal, either online or in print, and read the four reviewed articles. It'll be worth your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Blood Podcast. To read these articles, visit bloodjournal.org. This episode is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology.